I made a show in England um, called Southcliff, which is about the fallout of a shooting, and it's entirely about grief. And and so in a way, when I started this, I was like, this isn't about grief. This is about the absence of grief. What happens to people when they don't deal with it, when they don't talk about it, when they don't say what they're really feeling, they just sort of follow this, you know, trend of manliness of not speaking about how you feel and not crying. And that to me was the real story. That was the, you know, this mold of masculinity that these boys all had to, had to fit into. Welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, a father and his sons make professional wrestling history in director Sean Durkin's biographical drama, The Iron Claw. The film tells the true story of the Von Erich brothers, who made history in the intensely competitive world of professional wrestling in the early 1980s. Through tragedy and triumph, and under the shadow of their domineering father and coach, the brothers seek larger-than-life immortality on the biggest stage in sports. In addition to The Iron Claw, Durkin's other directorial credits include the feature films Mary Last Scene, Martha Marcy May Marlene, and The Nest, the TV miniseries Southcliff, and episodes of the television series Dead Ringers. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Durkin spoke with director Catherine Hardwick about filming The Iron Claw. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Hey, everybody. Thank you guys for coming out. Let's do The Claw! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so amazing. I really... Love the movie so Thank much. You. How Thank did, you. How did you guys like it? Pretty <laughs> rad, huh? Thank you. Oh, God, it's so emotional. Oh, my God. So I think I read that you um, were really attracted to this for a long time. And what made what got you into it? Was this like your father? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, um, yeah, I was like a, I was a kid. I was really into wrestling. Um, and, and I'd watch wrestling on TV. It was like late eighties, early nineties. So it was like WWF, WCW, but I was really obsessive. So I would get every magazine I could get. I would find old videotapes of old matches and Mm -hmm. came across these guys wrestling in the sportatorium. Um, and just like fell in love with the look and the feel. It just felt dirtier and realer, (laughs) you know, it was just like, uh, and then, and then their energy together, um, you know, Kevin flying off the top rope and like the way they interacted, just, I was really drawn to them. Um, and then, and then I went and saw, uh, Carrie a few times live. Um, yeah, yeah. When he was in WWF and, um, I actually remember the day that I found out he died. It was, um, it really haunted me. I, I, every Saturday night, my parents and I would go to this Chinese restaurant near our house and I'd always see if they had the latest pro wrestling illustrated across the street, at the magazine shop. And, um, I would read the magazine while we ate dinner. And I remember reading that Carrie had died and I was, I was aware that other brothers had died. Um, I didn't know the specifics, but just kind of knew there had been a lot of tragedy and, um, so I was really haunted by that, but also my dad's brother had died recently 
And my dad came from, you know, not a similar family, but he was one of six brothers, an overbearing father. Um, some of his siblings have died young. And, and so I think I drew a connection between our families in some way. Do you have brothers? Uh, I have one uh, much older half-brother um, and a, a much older sister, but my brothers are the guys I grew up with. Um, I have some friends from you middle felt. school and they're, you know, they're, yeah, they're still, we still text every day. Like it's, it's a real. Oh, even now? Even yeah, even now. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So they're like, my, my brothers were, were friends uh, that I had growing up and also like sometimes I'd live with their families and things growing up. So their parents oh. became close to me and. Uh, so I had this sort of extended family, but that, that's where my sort of experience of brotherhood comes from. And, and, uh, where'd you grow up? Um, I lived in England till I was 11 and then, and then New York, most, mostly New York. So in England you were like obsessed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that's was pretty weird, right? Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was definitely a thing there and it was certainly growing. I mean, there was the sort of English wrestling that was on TV that people were into, but the WWF came in the late eighties and it was, it was, it was big, but I was certainly the one like leading the charge. Like I would, <laughs> I would, I would, I would take, I would, I don't know how I got into it, but I would go to school and I would make my friends like I'd make my friends wrestle. Like I would write characters <laughs> for them and I would have them over to my house and we would have like wrestling events in my house and my mom would film them for me. She was like my original cinematographer. Oh my God. Do yeah. you have any of those? I don't. <laughs> Please, we, we lo- I know we, we lost everything when we moved, oh uh, when we God. moved to New York. That would be gold <laughs> right now. I know. I know. I could only imagine. Oh, so you didn't go for like high school wrestling. You went for character. You made up, what was the best name you made up? Oh <laughs> Uh, so I actually said this last night for the first time publicly, so I guess I have to say it now. Um, yes, my persona, oh God, <laughs> it was Sid Steele. Sid Steele. That was you? <laughs> that Sid was me. Steel? Okay. What, what color or, you know, did you wear a robe like that or? <laughs> yeah, probably like a bathrobe and, you know, uh, but I let my favorite wrestler at the time was, was, uh. This guy's Sid Vicious, and so I just, you know, I was like oh, 10 Sid years Vicious. old, oh. and, you know, so I was like, Sid Steele. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> well, when did you start learning about the father and how overbearing he was and how, when did you start learning yeah, about that? so in 2015, I started working on this. I, I met with uh, Tessa Ross, who's my producing partner on this, and we... Um, you know, she was, she was starting a new company and she said, what do you want to do? And, and I was, I was like, well, I've been thinking a lot about the Von Erichs and, um, you know, I think I would have talked myself out of it if she wasn't so adamant about doing it. She was like, yes, this sounds great. We have to do it. I'm like, really? And she's like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. So, so I had a researcher and we started diving in and, um, you know, there's a lot out there, uh, that's available and a lot of, uh, a lot of interviews, a lot of very honest interviews from from Kevin. Um, he's really an open book and mm-hmm. really in touch with you know what he went through and talking about it. Um, and so I just started watching that stuff. And then in the wrestling world, it, it's filled with nonsense. It's filled with people talking shit and <laughs> you know like bad gossip. And and so you have to root through. But but I found a few good sports journalists to use as sort of anchors and. Um, 
Yeah, and then and then just kind of piecing together the history and the family, and 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 Fritz was very public. He was, you know, his message was very clear. Uh, his persona was very clear, and um, it was a time where wrestlers uh, really lived their persona, and so there mm. wasn't a lot outside of um, the, the wrestler was f- sort of back then was full time in character. And, and so there wasn't, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of, um, sort of behind the scenes, like stuff like Fritz as he was, but by all accounts, he seemed to be as he was on screen too. So, um, you know, his energy became pretty clear, but also, you know, I, I, I had to find ways in, uh, on a personal level, you know? And and so Mm. he, 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 and what I knew about him was one way, but also, you know, find ways in, in my own family and thinking about my own grandparents and, you know, and, mm. and finding people I knew from that generation and things that they believed and how that influenced their kids and grandkids and things. So, so I, I always had to try and find a, a personal way into. Did your father force you to be a filmmaker? <laughs> no, he wanted me to be an architect. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm, I studied art. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, mean, I have it, an architecture degree. It was, it was it. really good advice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, the mother. Now, was there much information about the mother? She's very fascinating. Obviously, that first time when um, uh, Zach asked, you know, I need help. Dad's too hard. And she says, that's between you guys. That's what you have brothers for. What's the exact line? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, um, yeah baby, that's what your brothers are for. You know? mm-hmm. um, that was just yeah. devastating. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's, you know, that's one of those details, I think, that came directly from my own family. Um, okay, from yeah, family. Yeah, because, oh. yeah, that was sort of what my grandmother used to say to my mom and her sisters and um, and yeah, and so, and so that's what I mean about like, but it fit this family. It oh, fit yeah, what I knew yeah, yeah. about her. And, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a ton about Doris. They, there was, um, there was sort of one book they, they put out called the, the Von Erich family album, um, which was sort of like, you know, they, they had, they had these pieces that they put out that were, um, sort of like trying to either, present the family image or clean up the family image at a time mm. of, you know, so, so they were very aware of what their public image was, Fritz was. And so he sort of orchestrated these things. Um, and so there was a bit of Doris's voice in that. Um, and, and there was a few things in the papers and things that I found where these little snippets of honesty that I could find and that weren't all like public message, but, um, yeah. That was, uh, so dealing with grief, um, how much should you think about that? throughout the film and how each character dealt with grief in a different way. Yeah. I, I made a show in England, um, called Southcliffe, which was about the fallout of a shooting and it's a four part miniseries and it's entirely about grief. And, um, really, it really changed my life because I really sat in the lives of people who had lost people in shootings and, and, and there's a lot of research in that. And, and I wanted, and, and so in a way, when I started this, I was like, this isn't about grief. This is about the absence of grief Mm -hmm. and both like from a filmmaking standpoint of not wanting to be there, but also the fact that this, the, the sort of curse and the events perpetuate because they don't grieve. Mm. And so that was a real way in for me into this was sort of seeing what happens to people when they don't deal with it, when they don't talk about it, when they don't say what they're really feeling, they just sort of, 
you know, return to their duties, whether they're in the ring or at work or, you know, and just sort mm. of keep quiet and follow this, you know, trend of manliness of not speaking about how you feel and not crying. And, um, that to me was the real story. That was the, you know, mm. this mold of masculinity that these boys all, um, sort of had to be, had to, had to fit into, um, mm. and how that was the thing that was really, um, perpetuating the, um, the curse. And there was a beautiful moment when the mother can't put on that same dress mm. again. That was, yeah, <laughs> yeah beautiful. Um, well, uh, should we talk two seconds about the technical parts? Sure, because, yeah. of course, um, how much did you, <laughs> I mean, I did talk to your two actors the other day. They said you're pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> they said you're pretty tough. They said like, wow, that the, you know, of course I'm looking at it going, you can't have stunt doubles because people are wearing like a little tiny yeah. <laughs> bathing suit and, um, uh, and everybody's bodies are so specific yeah, and, and long takes too. And long yeah. takes. Um, so you would do, I guess you did the whole fight. You said, even if there's a mistake, just keep going, keep going. Yeah. How many cameras did you have? Like, uh, it would depend. We, we'd basically approach the wrestling scenes like any scene. So, I would shoot it whatever I felt the best emotion was. So, so a couple of them were just sort of all in close up, and then others like the Harley Race match was more. That was a big television moment. Um, so I wanted to have a bit more of like a TV angle and a and mm. bit more coverage. Um, so it yeah versus like the Ric Flair moment, which was so subjective, which was really just staying with with Zach as much as possible. Oh, yeah. And so um, <laughs> yeah, so so I really just tried to make those choices based on that. And and you know the other thing about it that was amazing was that our our audience in, uh, our 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 extras were an incredible audience. And were they, they fans of wrestling? They so. were fans of wrestling and also a lot of people who used to see the Von Erichs tour through Baton Rouge and like, you know, oh, people wow. come up to me and bring their photos from childhood and be like, we used to come, yeah, and see oh. them. And so there's, they're, they're really big, especially in the South. They're really meaningful to people. And, mm. um, yeah. And, and so the audience was amazing and they would really feed the guys in the ring. It felt like a real event. And so I just wanted to capture as much of that as possible and yeah. And, and just shoot, shoot the matches in full. And even if like, yeah, we had to repeat a move or move past it and come back to get it. We would just try to mm -hmm. get as much of that flow and energy as we could. So I did that movie Lords of Dogtown yeah. and it was the same thing. We had a real skater audience that had been back at those events at the real time and the actual actors, you know, like Tony Alva, yeah. he, the same thing, you know, he would be skating and they would yell and boo and scream <laughs> and, and the end of the actors like, oh, you know, we're <laughs> <laughs> so they got like live, like real time feedback. It makes so that such a made it right? really fascinating. People that really love wrestling instead of just yeah. people that were just like cardboard yeah. dummies or something. That's so cool. Yeah, so I knew, I knew, and I knew that that we were really like in good hands when. So the first match that that Zach fights, uh, Kevin fights the Sheik, and in the Sheik's corner is. Um, Skandor Akbar, who was a very famous villain from that time. And he's quite recognizable. We don't announce him. He's just kind of in the background. But he walked out. We were setting up the camera and, and background was all in. And that actor walked out in costume and everyone stood up and started booing. 
And the AD had to come out and, and like get on the like loudspeaker and be like, everybody quiet, we're setting up still. But it was just, I was like, oh yeah. Oh my God. That this is, is going to so work. Cool. <laughs> and then I'm sure Zach, you know, he yeah, feels that and totally, you feel yeah. like you're back, you're right there. That's so cool. So um, how much did you encourage Zach and Jeremy and everybody to like really bulk up? I did. I didn't. I didn't want to focus too much on that. Like I, I cast them all for. Uh, obviously, there's some physicality, especially as like the group. Like I, David was the tallest, so I wanted that. You know, things things like that where their sort of silhouette makes sense together. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but um, in terms of physicality, I really cast them because they were the right actor, and so I didn't want to get too much into their personal, you know, say like, oh, you should be this size or anything like that. Like I really left that to them. So they went off and each did their own thing. Um, the wrestling was really more where I was involved very specifically, mm-hmm. um, you know, writing the matches and working with Chava Guerrera, who is our, um, uh, wrestling coach and, uh, guru. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and he's in it too. He's in yeah. it too. He, yeah, he plays the Sheik. He's, he's, um, Zach's first first match. Yes. Yeah. And is it right that he did uh, Glow too? The, he did, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think Zach said that sometimes he'd say, hey, they were better than you are. And that would like <laughs> kick their butt. They, they caught good. on faster or something. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, okay, how much does it hurt? Or did you ever try it right when you slam <laughs> right onto that metal? How much yeah. does it hurt? Yeah, I never did it. I But I had this <laughs> dream. Did. No, I had this dream that like, because... You know, you know, when people ask you, like, if you could time travel, where would you go? And I think my answer, I guess, turns out to be Sportatorium 1983. You know, it's like, and so for me, it was, we built this place and I was going in and I kind of had this fantasy, like I'd go in and I kind of like hop in the ring over the top rope and like bounce off and maybe like learn a couple of moves. And I got in there and I was just like, tried to bounce off the ropes and they're so hard and it's just like steel cable (laughs) and... I was just like, wow, even just the simplest things that look so easy are so difficult. So I did none of that. (laughs) Not fall even one time. Not even one time. You made made Zach fall. I made it, yes, yeah. yeah. Did you ever feel guilty? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, um, oh, God, there are so many things that were just amazing. Uh, Finding the, you know, the family. Well, oh, yeah, okay, God, I can feel like. Where's my list? <laughs> but um, the boys at the end, can we talk about yeah. the beautiful kids at the end? Because obviously we've all probably worked with kids before. And if those performances weren't yeah. so special, so how did you know that they were going to be able to do it? And Well, uh, so my casting director and I go way back. I used to work for her. I used to be one of her assistants. And... Um, so one of her specialties is finding kids and discovering young actors. And Mm. I, my first jobs with her were searching New York for unknown, unknown kids who had never acted before. And we'd go out into the street and try and meet kids or go to schools. And so, so together, like I had some experience in that, but she's particularly good at it. And, um, we were casting, we were trying to cast locally and we'd cast some of the other kids locally and it was going good, but I was sort of, I was sending her the tapes and, and 
she was just, I was like, these, these couple of kids are really good. And she was like, I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off. And, and I believed her. And, and so she said, just, you know, just let me have a go searching. And so she, wider search. she did a wider search and she, she found these brothers and she said, I think they're, these are them. And, and so, um, yeah, I trusted her and went for it and they were great and they came out and they were, um, yeah, those kids were great. Because yes, if you hadn't, if those two, those last yeah, lines didn't totally. work, you would have had to do a different, <laughs> yeah. I think. But um, let me ask this. I've just got a question. I've cast people sometimes, and they maybe only had two or three or four lines, and then they got the job, and it was two months later yeah, yeah. that they came on. By that time, they were so stale, or they'd practiced those same too two nervous, lines. Too nervous, right? Yeah, or they had yeah. just gone over the same lines over and over yeah. like a million times, and they sounded terrible, not anything like the audition. So how quickly between the time you cast them until they, you did that scene. Yeah, it was pretty, I mean, this whole process was quite short. I mean, we only had, I think we only had like 36 shoot days. 36 shoot days. Yeah. yeah. And we only had seven weeks of prep. Mm, um, okay. and in that time within that seven weeks was when the guys learned to wrestle too. So it was, it was really intense. Um, so there was not a lot of time for anything. There was, you know, we were, we were shooting before we cast those boys. So it was all, Oh, oh yeah. so it wasn't it too was, much of a time. Yeah. Back. They were like the last that we found, you know, that was, I think we probably hired them three days before they showed up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it was like, it was like they, a manic search to get them. That's like kind of good because then they didn't have yeah. time to go over and over the lines yeah. a zillion times. No, that's happened to me before too, where yeah. someone's just like great in an audition and then they think about it for a month and then they get there and just... I've had Is like it? professional actor. They, I guess they must have said the lines like 900 times. Yeah. That's all they had going on. Yeah. And by the time they got, they could not, you know, it was yeah. just absolute disaster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry if there's any actor. Don't beat your lines to death. Okay. <laughs> um, so amazing. Um, and in crafting the story, at what point did you want to share it or did you with um, uh, Kevin? Yeah. Um, so, I'd had an experience on another film that I worked on for years that didn't get made um, where I did a lot of research and met a lot of people very close to the subject who was deceased, but got to know them and then loved them and we got really close. And then when we showed them the script, they were like, that's not right. And that's not right. And they all had, they all basically couldn't separate themselves from their own experience. Mm -hmm. And they all thought their own version of events was the one. And so... I kind of learned that I needed more space and I loved Kevin and I love, like I loved him as a kid and I knew I'd love him even more when I met him. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to have that distance so that when I made really difficult decisions, you know, like not portraying one of the brothers in the movie. Right. You that's know. amazing that one of the brothers just could not fit in. Yeah. There, there was just sort of so much tragedy, you know, David had a child who died. I mean, there was like, there was, there was so much oh. stuff. Yeah. That, that, that was, it was too much and it just didn't fit in the film. And so I had to make some really difficult decisions and I knew that those would be harder to make if I was talking to Kevin all the time. So I held back. And then, uh, when I finally knew what the film was and we were going into prep, I reached out and, um, and, and we've become quite close in the last year and he's, you know, I, I didn't show him anything until the movie was done, but I talked him through what it was about, what I was focusing on. And, you know, he said to me, the first thing he said to me was that 
um, all he cared about was that it showed how much him and his brothers loved each other. And I mm-hmm. said, well, that's what the movie's about. So, you know, that's, that's good. I'm that glad one. you feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I read that his, he thought it was an accurate portrayal of his father too. Yeah. He's, he's, he's really, he's really happy with the movie. So it's been, it's a, that's a nice, a nice outcome. Yes. Now Holt did a, mm. quite an amazing, amazing. job. How yeah. did, I was actually so startled to see him like in the ring fighting yeah. at the very beginning. I mean, that yeah. was pretty badass. And, yeah. you know, how did you figure out that Holt would work for this? Or well, I you- saw him on Mindhunter and I just like, he was, he was one of the first people where I was like, that's, yeah, that's it. Like, oh, really? yeah, okay. yeah. He, he, I wanted him for a really long time. Um, and he's just amazing. He's the most incredible actor. He, I think he's, you know, Fritz is a tough role, and if I think if Fritz isn't right in this movie, the movie doesn't work because he's like the fabric. He's the, you know, he's the base. He's like the, this, you know. I feel like if, if I always felt like if I got that wrong, it, it, things fall apart because he's. What was your tightrope that you were not that you were trying? Don't make him too much this way, or yeah. what were you looking at? Yeah, I guess it. It's like he's. The thing is, the way that he was is hard to portray because he's so ruthless, so relentless all the time. But he also like loved his boys. He lived for his boys and his family. And he just had this way of being because of where he came from. He came from a very brutal place. And he really believed that, you know, it's what he says up front, like strongest, biggest, most successful. It's the only way you survive because that was his worldview. And so he's operating from a place of love, even though he's too blind to see what it's really causing. Um, and so it, the, 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 the tricky thing was just the balance of like how much, how much of him like to give. And, um, but Holt is just the, just amazing. And he was just, was so in it. He was, became the guy and, and yeah. And then learned to wrestle as well. And so that was always like, you know, I, I, I often will like tweak openings for years, but, but this, like the first time I sat down and wrote the opening, it's never changed. And it was that image of him like pounding the person in the corner, putting the iron claw on and just that like viciousness and, and, um, and he just, yeah, just learned to do that. And it was amazing. Mm, amazing. Um, I thought, yeah, it's incredible. The last scene, of course, um, that was something that you probably felt and created as, you know, the, the final death scene of Carrie mm. and the fact that he almost repeated, echoed the same thing that his wife said, you know, that's between you guys, yeah. you know, that's, that's up to you. Um, how was that something pretty creative on your part to figure out the ending or do you think it was from accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean there, so I can't, you know, at this point I can't remember what came from, um, from me and what came from like things I heard. I definitely, that, that story about Kevin and Carrie speaking, I think the day of Carrie's death. Um, I think there's a few people in the family that he talked to and, Carrie, Kevin calling Fritz and Fritz not listening. And then the two of them blamed each other for a long time. Like that was all, that was all like based on a a true story that I read. And they actually both gave different accounts of it, but Kevin and Fritz. Mm -hmm. Um, So I took, you know, pieces of that as the structure. Um, 
I've been very uh, effective and also I feel it seems like maybe you kind of method wrote it (laughs) (laughs) of feeling, you know, like everything you could feel about these characters and melding with your own family and then, you know, birthing. So what was, how long was that, right? Oh, this isn't the WGA, but (laughs) how long was that writing process till you felt happy with the script? Uh, Seven years. Seven years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm, you know, did other things in there, made a movie, another movie, you know, I wrote other stuff, but, but it was, you know, it was seven years in, on your brain. in my brain yeah, for seven yeah. years. Yeah. And so is there anything you, um, wish you could have done, uh, if you had another day or not, or did you get it? I mean, it no, feels so I, good. You know, I think the journey on this was like, how do you take such a huge family with so much that happened and so much of it feels larger than life and fit mm-hmm. it into a film. Um, and so a lot of the journey was searching for what the true core of the film is. And mm-hmm. that true core is, is Kevin and his survival and him finding his new beginning. And, and that felt like the thing I always came back to. And so, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything specifically that I would have done with, with more. I think that was the right way to tell the story. So, and the idea of Zach, I mean, yeah. he's incredible. Yeah. How did you, you know, yeah, figure he was, that out? Yeah, he was like, I've, I've been really curious about Zach forever. I mean, um, I, I always love what he does and I, and I, I've always thought like, probably thought about it for 10 years wanting to work with him. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. And just like if there was, I've always felt sort of like if there was the right thing, I'd be really interested to see what he's like in one of my worlds, like in my atmosphere. Mm, and mm. and um, this just felt like the, the perfect way to do that. And we met. And um, I think the main thing I was looking for in Kevin was that Kevin's quite quiet. And Kevin Kevin's quite a complicated character. In, in a sense, he's quite simple, but it's complicated to portray because he's quiet and he's sort of got this like goodness to him and the sweetness Mm, and he's a he's like a true family guy but he is also extremely talented and is like exists in this very competitive world so for his journey to be sort of dropping that competitive edge so that he's his truest self with his family is Mm. is is an unusual and not always an active journey Mm. and so um, I wanted someone who just like had that energy, that sweetness. And Zach just really mm. is that he's just. And why do you think that character, I mean, the fa- the father didn't see him as the contender for so long until after the other two brothers. Why was that? What was he missing that well, he the, wanted showmanship? Or? Yeah, it was a, it, it was a thing that, I mean, being, you know, good on the mic was always a thing in wrestling, but it, it became even more prominent with the rise of wrestling on TV in the eighties. And it's why Ric Flair became the, the staple of 1980s wrestling because he was just the best at, his persona and, and, and antagonizing and, um, and Kevin just didn't have that Kevin and, but David did, David had it. And he, he, and it's, I think that's why David probably got the, the push first. And, um, and Kevin just wasn't, wasn't great on the mic, but he was an incredible wrestler. And Rick Flair says, you know, I always thought you were yeah. soft. So, you know, he was too kind in a way or yeah. was that it? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in the, in the ring, I mean, 
In the ring, he wasn't. In the ring, he yeah. In the ring, he really. I mean, in real life too. Apparently, he used to really. Kevin used to really connect. And did he have that? <laughs> did he have that moment where he's really eating the shit out of Ric Flair? He did. Have he did. That. Yeah. Like that. Okay. It it probably you know I I adapted that to be like uh, I think probably a more emotional moment than it than it probably was in real life. Mm-hmm. But that that was based and the Harley race match as well was based and. All the wrestling moments are kind of based on real things. I just kind of fit them to the narrative. Cool. Well, I see yeah. we got the one minute, but oh. we have actually staged a fight that we wanted to show oh, no. you guys. And, <laughs> and I've been practicing the iron claw like all day. And so I'm going to attack. Do you guys want to see it or? <laughs> well, he doesn't look, you don't look excited about it. I mean, I, I mean, we I wanted to try it on you, try. but yeah, no. Okay. I won't. Okay. <laughs> but thank you guys so much. Yeah. That was thank beautiful. Thank you so much. Yay. Another round of applause. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. 